Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Virginia is a 70-year-old woman bringing in her 14-year-old grandson for his annual physical and immunization update. Virginia is also your patient, and she has some concerns. She is troubled by the inertia she observes with her daughter, son-in-law, and their two children, who are obsessed with their phones, don't eat meals together, and have no form of exercise. She lives with them and wants to get everyone going. How much exercise should they all be doing, and what advice can you give her? Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Jill Terrian, associate professor and director of nurse practitioner programs at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. So we have some new guidelines on how to recommend uh, activity and exercise for patients. Can you tell us what's changed and what we should be encouraging? Sure. So this is an update from 2008. So second edition of the physical activity guidelines. And basically, Frank, overall, you know, we all know we should be moving and having activity. So they've been very specific in talking about various age groups. So what's different is they looked at all the evidence, they asked a lot of questions of what they found, and then they have given these guidelines that begin with children age three, all the way up through older adults. Great. Um, well, maybe break it down for us by age group. Sure. So what they say, children age three through five really should be active throughout the day. So none of our timing guidelines or suggestions, but just active, active playing, active sports, active with their family. Mm -hmm. And then the next age group was age six through 17. And what they're saying is they should do 60 minutes a day of moderate to vigorous physical activity. So every day, 60 minutes. And then the next group was adults. And what they say is 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise or bump it up to vigorous um, intensity, and that would be 75 to 150 minutes a week. So those are the goals. That, that's where we should all be trying to get people towards. Exactly. And then let's not forget our older adults. Um, they say that depending, you know, age, chronic disease, or even disability, do what you can to try and follow the guidelines. And of course, consult with your provider if you have any questions about what you think you can do. And then we don't want to leave out our pregnant women um, because they um, find that they should do at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity every week. And that's safe in pregnancy. Yes. And the thing is, you know, I would say as a primary care provider in my pregnant, you know, um, patients that if they have any questions, certainly consult with their OB. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So uh, these sound like nice parameters and they're evidence-based. They did a nice job with this guideline. Um, how do we incorporate this into practice? What if people can't make goals or are reluctant to make uh, 300 minutes of moderate activity a day? Well, the data shows that 80% of us don't meet the goals now. So you know, how, how do we get there? Why is it so hard when we talk about how many billions of healthcare dollars we can save? 
how many chronic diseases we can either, number one, prevent or um, improve patients, you know, quality of life. Why is it so hard? And I think that, you know, people struggle with this every day. And so it's not losing sight of the fact that, okay, if today's not a good day, it doesn't mean that tomorrow that you might be able to change something. So I think that it's meeting your patients where they're at, um, knowing the community and the resources where you live. And you also have to take into account what is your population? Do they, you know, financially um, and, and where they live, what's available to them and what can they do on their own? So what my main message is, everybody can exercise and it you just have to figure out what's the best motivation for them. Okay, so not everyone's going to get to goal, and in fact, as you said, most of us don't, but a little is better than nothing, and I think sometimes people forget that. Right, and that is actually something that they did detail in the guidelines. They talked about even if somebody has not, let's just say they haven't exercised in years or maybe not in their entire life because they don't like it, even if they do nothing and go to 10 minutes of walking a day, they found that the benefit is incredible. It's almost more beneficial in that age in that type of a person than it is that somebody has been exercising and now has to kick it up. Sure. I think that's very, very true. Um, all of us have, or many of us have smartphones and many people have activity trackers. Any thoughts about how to encourage uh, technology as a beneficial tool? Absolutely. So I think you have to pull out all your tools, right? So you have to think about what's going to work if the person doesn't want to walk or maybe they do like to walk how far are they walking because I think when these activity trackers first came out you know um, I jumped on the bandwagon and got one myself so a day that I thought that I was really active when I looked at the activity tracker I'm like I am not that active so first of all it, it makes you more truthful and more factual to understand so now I know that on a Wednesday when I'm teaching and not in clinic I don't walk a whole heck of a lot mm -hmm. so that in my mind, that's the day that I do try to do something a little more active to do that. So I think activity trackers, apps on your phone. I mean, you can have alarms set that say time to get up and go, you know, like we work in a big, big building. I can get up and go do a couple laps around, you know, the center of the building for, you know, a quarter mile or a half mile. Um, but anyways, getting up and moving. So do you have stairs and do you always take the elevator? Well, if you live in a multi-floor, if you work or live in a multi-floor building, 20 flights is, is, is difficult, right? But can you walk up one flight? Can you walk up two flights and not take the elevator? It changes like that. Other small changes, um, parking your car far away at the mall, at the grocery store, you know, anything that's going to motivate you to um, increase your activity. And it's talking with the patient to see, you know, what they're willing to do or could do to get their opinion. All right. So that's the last question I have for you is what kind of questions do we want to ask Virginia to help her figure out how she and maybe her daughter and their family can get more active? So Virginia's in, um, you know, she's in the sandwich generation, right? So she's living in the home of her daughter and she's helping raise her grandchildren. So this is, you know, a, this is becoming a more common scenario. So Virginia's not just picking up the grandson and bring him. She lives with him. So she knows what their daily routine is. So I think asking her, what are you thinking? She's asking you, she's telling you, you know, about devices, you know, how much of an influence does she think she can have with her family? 
So I think asking her, do you have a thought? You're, you're talking about the devices. Is there a conversation that can occur, occur about maybe you shouldn't, you know, be on screen time they, or talk about it in the fact that you visited the doctor's office and this is what they recommended and you can kind of blame it on the provider. I don't mind being blamed for that. Or is it something like, can we get out and walk every afternoon when you get home from school? even if it's just around the block. So help her try to understand what maybe some things she can do and also maybe ask her a little bit about what some of her challenges are. Um, uh, maybe it's their community, maybe it's their financial situation. There's all sorts of challenges. Right, because I think it's, you know, it's, it's easy to give recommendations and that's what they are, recommendations. It can seem ominous to patients, but if you can break it down into, you know, small bites of what they can do to improve their quality of life. I mean, there's a lot of benefits here. Um, you know, um, cognitive function when you exercise and, you know, decreasing cancer risk and, of course, saving money. Are we going to be, when we talked about value-based health care, are we going to be judged and charged if we're overweight or have you know, comorbid conditions. I think that that's coming down the line. And so um, is, is money going to motivate people to, to lose money? I mean, is money going to motivate people to move more? Um, I believe there has been some studies on that, and I haven't looked at them, but I've, I've seen that there's been a few things out on that. So I guess the main thing is, um, you know, Virginia's come in and she's, you know, in a situation, does she help with the meals? That's the other thing, you know, come from the nutritional side of things. All right, so I think Virginia's got a lot of answers to be offered to her question about what she can do to help her and her family, and I think these new guidelines get, give us some idea of what our goals should be. Thanks so much, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. New activity guidelines encourage us all to query our patients about their degree of activity and investigate what they can do to uh, attempt to meet the goals set forth. Join us next time when we talk about healthy and unhealthy ways patients can better cope with stressors. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.